This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Boy, it's, it's been tough, you know, not knowing if we were going to play or not, you know, for the longest, uh, just patiently waiting on everybody, you know, to make the decision on, you know, if we were going to really have a season or not, and everybody was anxious to play. I said um, anybody here was ready to play right right in September if we could or August, and uh, we didn't get that chance. But now that we have that chance, I believe everybody's ready to let loose and, you know, just go out there and ball. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, I watch it. Joined now by Nate Klaus, as you heard Cam Taylor Britt um, to say this team's ready to play ball. I mean, it's been what 11, 12 weeks of practice now, uh, camp, mo- simulated camps, whatever you want to call it. And really, you can go even deeper than that to the mini camps they did back in July. So it's been a long time coming uh, to get to this point. But it's time for the mailbag. And you know, first question out of the gate is how can the Big Ten legally tell us you can't have fans in the stands? What would they do if Nebraska decided to just say screw it, we're going to bring fans in? Um, well, my immediate thought is they won't let the game happen because they'll call it a public safety risk mm-hmm. or they'll penalize you on your media rights payout or worse. Yeah, I mean, I think there's <laughs> probably a lot of ways they would find a way to get you. And money is probably first and foremost or, you know, preventing, you know, the, like you said, the, the game from ever happening because, you know, the Big Ten basically operates the game you know, with officials and all that stuff. So uh, I, I just – you know, I don't think it's going to happen because it's the Big Ten's call. You know, whether regardless of what university or local officials might say from school to school or city to city, uh, it's really the Big Ten umbrella that everybody has to operate under. Yeah, I would say, you know, I, I feel like this is probably something that was one of the first things that was laid down, one of the first ground rules. In order for everyone to come back, they you know had to do, all agree that they weren't going to ha- allow fans into the. Into the this stands. was like a, a deal point that had to yeah, be met. I, that's that's my feeling on it, and so this is probably not even. This is like probably the one of the only. Uh, well, actually, there's probably quite a few non-negotiable <laughs> deals surrounding this <laughs> whole thing. But, but, the fans, but, the cheerleaders in the band, though that that bothers me. I, I think yeah. you can have a a band spread out. I think you can have cheerleaders in the bleachers, even. I mean, because they're comp. I mean, you just feel for those those students as well. Yeah, I mean, they're just trying to reduce as much liability as possible. And uh, you know, I think that they're part of it too is the competitive advantage where A and M. Yeah, I mean, if Nebraska could be full capacity, I'm sure they'd be darn near close Ohio State the same way but would Michigan Michigan State be able to do that would Northwestern be able to do that Rutgers you know so like Maryland there could be schools that could have zero fans whereas other schools are having full stadiums and therefore that creates a disadvantage disparity uh, with just the whole home field edge I think there'd be about four teams that would push it Nebraska Iowa Ohio State and probably Penn State those four and then I think the politics in the other states would make it very difficult. Did you guys watch A&M Florida? Like, did you see the crowd? Yeah, it was like yeah. 40, 45,000 some people there. It was nuts. I talked to my old roommate who's a coach down at A&M now, and he he, he estimated it was about 45,000. And I think they announced it at like 2022. 20, and Dan, <laughs> Dan Mullen, um, after the game, said that we need to pack the swamp our governors allowed it then florida gets 19 positive tests well and then there's going reports, into the there's reports that the theory is that that all came from college station and that whole experience there where i'm guarantee you there were very few covid protocols being followed there how could you i mean i mean you got that many people now i could i could see you know, spreading out 20,000 or 25,000 amongst uh you know a big stadium like that but 
when you when you've got forty five thousand plus like that, it was yeah. I, there was there are very few social distancing rules being being used there, and it was loud. I mean, it, it played a factor, and and that would be Nebraska if Nebraska allowed fans, no doubt. And Wisconsin and Penn State came in here. That thirty thousand that Pat Lopez was going to allow as the largest crowd, I think. Uh, Creatively, yeah. it'd find itself to 35,000. 30 and change. <laughs> but yeah, like would, the official attendance would be 30,000. Yes, no doubt. On the 29, 998. Just like it does at PBA, where they can't go over 16,000 because of fire code, even though there's more than 16,000. Well, it has to do with state aid. Yeah. Um, because if they break 16,000, um, then there's some sort of extra, they lose some sort of aid from the state. So it's always like. 15999. <laughs> no sit Sunday was like 15998 yeah. and what's funny is I didn't pay for a lap ticket for my daughter when we went to that game so like technically technically she brought it over. They were in violation. Well, statute of limitations. All right. Next question here in the mailbag. Nate, where are all the defensive line commits and how many does Nebraska take? Oh, well, yeah. There are no defensive line commits right now, and it seems like they're all taking their time uh, with, the, with the process. You know, there's a lot of guys, I think, that are interested in, in you know, uh, you know kind of have Nebraska high on their list, but um, as far as the guys that are getting close to committing, I think the, the one that was the closest was Ruquan Buckley out of Michigan, and uh, you know, he was supposed to make his announcement this week. And, and you know, within 12 hours of you know, the, being a shoe in, yeah. Well, I don't know if he was a shoe in, but I, I think most people thought that he was going to be. Uh, he, he went ahead and, and pushed his decision back, and there's no no timeline now. And so, I mean, that was kind of a, a strange situation. And you know, you've got some other guys out there that I think um, you know are very high on Nebraska, but have no decision timeline um, or no you know no specific timeline set. So I think it's going to be a deal where people have to wait. And you know, I think Tony Tuioti is one of those coaches that does a lot of his recruiting under the radar. Um, you know, you may or may not know who he's on and and you know how those guys are necessarily feeling about Nebraska. But I have no doubt that the defensive line commits are going to happen. And I think that at the end of the day, we'll probably see two to three and, and most likely two DNs and, and maybe a nose tackle. Two-parter for all of us here, um, just kind of a best guess. Does Omar Manning, A, play at Ohio State? B, does he start a game at all this year? I'll say no, he won't play at Ohio State, but he'll be suited up. And I do think he'll start a game by at least some point this season. It seems unlikely he'll have a role against Ohio State just because it's been such limited practice time for him. I do think he's going to start. They have to find a way to get him on the field. And if it is just a deal where, uh, you know, he's just had some stuff that he needed to deal with and had to get healthy, I mean, you, you can find a way to incorporate him down the road. I mean, he's too good of a player. Nate, let me ask you this about Omar Manning. Did did you ever get a chance to talk to him much during the recruiting process? Like, does anybody really know? Nobody knows Omar Manning. No one, I don't know anybody that has – been able to develop any type of relationship with him going back to when he was in high school really I mean he's he's always been uh, somebody who's kept to himself who's not really let too many people in and and let him know what he's thinking or you know uh, let him know exactly you know what makes him tick or, you know or anything like that so I mean he's somewhat of an enigma to to everybody especially to media members and people that have have tried to cover his recruitment you're listening here to the Husker Online Show. What are the odds? 
Luke McCaffrey starts a game this year at quarterback. I'd say pretty high, mainly because the physicality of the schedule, even if Martinez is the guy, I think the physicality of the schedule, it's going to make something happen to a quarterback. When was the last time Adrian Martinez started nine games? Especially when you run the ball, Robin, in a a league that's like an NFL-style league. I mean, the Big Ten has NFL front sevens in terms of body size and physicality. It's not the Big 12 where, you know, there's not as – I mean, let's face it, the Big 12 doesn't tackle as physical as the Big Ten week to week. And I think if you run your quarterback, you're, you're, the odds of being out are high. Well, there's just the you know the physical nature of making it through nine games in nine weeks for Adrian Martinez, who has a legitimate injury record right now. Uh, but then there's also the fact that what if Nebraska starts 0 and 4, and you know the offense can't get anything going? <laughs> if it's this close already, and we're a week and a half away from the start of the season. Uh, you better be ready to pull the trigger. If Luke McCaffrey is what everybody is saying he is, uh, he, he's he got to be ready to go. And if things start off rough, uh, I wonder how long that leash is going to be for Adrian Martinez. Yeah, I don't even know if you can afford to to wait until you're 0-4 before possibly making a change. or Two weeks, or probably. Just, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you if you have a slow start to the season and you're all of a sudden you're 0-2, it might be time just to to at least throw a change up and and see if if you can jumpstart things here with with uh, some some fresh blood there. And so, I, and if things are as close as we think they are, there's no doubt in my mind. I think Luke will probably start at least one game, if not for you know the only reason being that it's been you know I mean Adrian's never gone through an entire season completely healthy, and chances are that uh, you know this is there's going to be at least one game where he's nicked up enough to where he may not give Nebraska the best chance. All right, final question. Your favorite freshman right now at Nebraska, not name Alante Brown. I'll say Nash. I I, I think long-term Nash is going to be a fixture. Um, The extra year is going to be big for him um, because they don't have to necessarily rush him along uh, to develop. But when you see him listed – uh, I want was was he three at least three twenty uh, on the Huskers dot com roster if I'm not mistaken uh, how much weight and and strength he has already uh, that's that's a guy for me right now yeah I uh, would like you know one of those other freshman wide receivers you know whether it be Fleming or Betts or, or whoever to step up just because they need him uh, but you know. I want to see what Marvin Scott can be just with how physically advanced he is already as a freshman. Will that parlay into becoming a you know legitimate high level big 10 running back? Or is he going to be another one of those guys that weight room hero uh, doesn't translate onto the field, but I think he's good enough to where he's got a really bright future. Well, I'm going to stick with the running backs there, but I'm going with Savion Morrison. I, I think he's somebody that I've, I've been really high on for, you know, since Nebraska started recruiting him. And, and once I was able to see him play in person last fall, uh, it kind of took it to another level. And, and you know, it looks like he's really developed physically and added a lot of good weight, uh, which is one of the bigger questions I had about him as far as playing and being able to make the transition to the Big Ten as a true freshman. So I'm really interested in that. And by the way, Nash is listed at six five three thirty. Oh, and so yeah, and he wrestled at two eighty five. Yep. How? Um, yeah, but I mean, he he had to cut. I mean, much like Ben Hart, you know, Ben Hart when he was a senior in high school, right after football, he had to cut like sixteen pounds uh, to to get under 
uh, under that 285. So, yeah, Nash is, I mean, Nash is a grown man. He's, he's eating <laughs> <As> now. <laughs> a, yeah, and, and, and he's able to finally let her loose. Uh, Turner Corcoran's another guy. Corcoran, too, yeah. I mean, you almost forget he's a freshman. I know. Honestly, yeah, there's there's a lot of guys in that recruiting class that I think are going to be going to end up being fixtures on this team for years to come. All right, when we come back, we'll close the show with recruiting. The Huskers picked up commitment number 19 from James Carney. We'll get Nate's thoughts on that and much more. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.